welcome to On The Mic Podcast. This is your host, Tim Drake. Today's episode is a little bit different than what we're used to. Today we are re-releasing an old episode with comedian Pete Holmes. Now, you may be wondering why we are doing a re-release this week. Uh, as I announced last week, uh, I've decided that given where we're at with the podcast now, uh, we're basically only going to have available the most recent 50 episodes. Uh, because of that, there's some of the old episodes when we were first starting the podcast uh, that I didn't want to kind of get lost in the shuffle and, you know, kind of fall by the wayside here. And one of those episodes was that with Pete Holmes. I felt like Pete gave a lot of great advice in this episode and just really was a lot of fun to talk to. Uh, this came out in, I believe it was 2014. Uh, this was episode 15 of the podcast. And uh, Pete was actually promoting the Pete Holmes show, uh, his talk show that he had on TBS at the time. Uh, but yeah, it was really a great chance to talk with Pete. Uh, he had phoned into the show. And yeah, I mean, just again, the advice that he gave, just things that he had talked about as he had built the show. Uh, it, it was a really great learning episode. And like I said, I don't, I don't want this to get lost in the shuffle of things. I wanted this to be up at the top as a bunch of these episodes are going to disappear uh, in the coming weeks here. Uh, and so we thought that we'd, it would be best to go ahead and re-release this episode now uh, so that people would still have it available uh, to hear. And like I said, I mean, I was still really trying to figure out what I was doing as far as a podcaster at the time. So this is not going to be the same type of questioning and conversation that I have now with people uh, because I honestly had no idea what I was doing. I had recorded 14 episodes prior. Uh, but this, was this again, was just a great chat with Pete Holmes. And, you know, hopefully we'll be having Pete back on the podcast. He's had a lot of great things, of course, crashing on HBO. Of course, his book, Comedy Sex God, is absolutely hilarious and incredible. Uh, I, I, really, I really encourage anybody, if you're a fan of Pete Holmes, uh, to go out there and pick up his book or, you know, get the audio book if you've got Audible or wherever you, you know, read or listen to, to books. Uh, make sure you check out Pete Holmes' book, Comedy Sex God, and, uh, and support Pete uh, as well. I also wanted to take a moment on this release. If you're listening to this the day that uh, the re-release is happening, October 1st, 2019, we are kicking off 31 Days of Horror once again. This is the second year that I've gone ahead and done this Instagram series. And I have so much fun being able to go to all these different locations and, you know, kind of share the myths and the lore and the ghosts and the haunts that, you know, uh, in inhabit all of these different places. Uh, today I am at the Queen Mary down in Long Beach. Uh, it's, it's an incredible ship and the stories and the horror that, you know, kind of inhabits that. Uh, is, is really kind of incredible. They, of course, do uh, Queen Mary's Dark Harbor down there. It's a haunted house that you can go to all throughout October. I believe even, you know, part of September, but that's behind us now. And I think even like the first week of November. Uh, but you can check out Queen Mary's Dark Harbor to find out the information there. Uh, but yeah, that's the first episode that we're doing. It's available now on my Instagram at timdrake42 as well as at On The Mic Podcast, so you'll find that there. And every single day this month, uh, we've got a lot of great ones coming up. Uh, the Pico House, Ghostbuster House, L.A. City Hall, uh, The Viper Room, of course, Hollywood Forever Cemetery, which we have even recorded an episode of the podcast there. Uh, but I love Hollywood Forever, and there's some great stories there. Uh, the Hollywood Wax Museum was something that was kind of creepy <laughs> to learn some of the stuff about. Uh, Bella Lugosi's apartment, Boris Karloff's Rose Garden, uh, some areas in Santa Monica that we're hitting up. You know, there's there's just a lot of cool places. Uh, we we kind of spread out more. Last year, you know, we were very central to Hollywood and Griffith Park, and we really didn't go, you know, too far outside of our bubble. 
Uh, but this year there was just a lot of great locations kind of popping up all throughout Los Angeles County. And of course, down to Long Beach, you know, we're, we're uh, headed up to Ventura to film a few of the, of the closing episodes. Uh, but yeah, we've got a lot of great things in store this year for 31 Days of Horror. Uh, I was really thrilled with how these came out last year. Uh, you know, it was exhausting putting these together last year. I didn't know what I was in for, so we got a, got a little bit of a head start on it this year. Um, and I'm very happy with, you know, what we've been able to put together. Uh, th this year, it's just me. Of course, Austin was with me last year on all of these. Uh, this year, it's just me. Luckily, my wife has been cool enough uh, to go to a lot of these locations with me and help me shoot them. Uh, but yeah, it, there's a lot of cool stuff to be seen. So again, 31 Days of Horror kicking off today at the Queen Mary in Long Beach. So make sure you check those out on our Instagram. I'll, of course, also be posting them on Twitter. You can find them on my YouTube as well. Uh, so there's, there's going to be plenty of places that you're going to be able to see them. You can also see all of last year's, uh, both on uh, both on the Instagram as well as the YouTube pages. Um, and we'll put those up on the website at onthemicpodcast.com. Uh, so don't miss out on those. Uh, but yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this episode again. You know, I know some people don't like the re-releases, but I mean, this is several years old. Um, so I wanted you guys to be able to hear it, uh, before everything, uh, it's before some of those old episodes kind of disappear. Uh, they won't be gone forever. I'm planning to do a release of some of the best of, of the early episodes. Um, and kind of, kind of put those together, um, as a small little thing that you can download, um, probably on iTunes and Spotify. And yeah, there'll be something with those old episodes, uh, but it's just time that, you know, I want things to be a little bit more current and, you know, we, we've come so far as a podcast that I just don't feel a lot of the old episodes really represent the podcast very well anymore. Um, and I want, you know, our best work to be what's immediately available. Uh, so make sure you look for anything, anything coming up in the future of what we will be doing with those old episodes. Uh, because like I said, it's going to be the best of the best. The things that I feel, you know, really, really speak volumes. We'll probably do a couple of re-releases uh, in the coming weeks of some of these old episodes as well. Uh, so you'll have a chance to hear some of those um, and hear, you know, how much I struggled talking to certain people. Uh, the Tracy Morgan one, if you haven't heard that one, uh, it's uh, I had no clue what I was doing, and I was <laughs> I was a little starstruck that I was talking to Tracy Morgan. Uh, but yeah, it was a good time, and these these old episodes are kind of fun to go back in here and uh, and just see how far we've come uh, out of the podcast. So I hope you guys really enjoy these. Uh, thank you to everybody that's been following along. Thank you, you know, as you guys go and check out um, everything on 31 Days of Horror. Please share share them. You know, let me know what you think. I hope you guys, you know, find all the facts and everything just as fascinating uh, as I do as I go through all of these. Next week, I have Tony Thaxton, drummer for Motion City Soundtrack and podcast extraordinaire. His podcast, Bizarre Albums, is absolutely incredible. And it was really fun to be able to chat with him about that and everything Motion City Soundtrack. Uh, so make sure you guys look for that next Tuesday. Again, if you missed the announcement uh, on our past episode with David Charles, we have moved the release date from Friday to Tuesday, uh, just so that more people have the opportunity to listen to the podcast. Um, and also coming coming up in the next few weeks, everything will be available on Spotify. So we've heard, you know, from a lot of people that that's the main way that they're listening to podcasts now is through Spotify. Uh, so we are going to make sure that the podcast is available on all platforms that. You know, people are primarily listening to podcasts on now. Uh, so thank you guys for all of your support. I hope you guys enjoy this re-release with Pete Holmes. We'll see you next week. Hey, how are you, Pete? Hey, Tim, how are you? Pretty good. How are things out in California right now? It's lovely, man. It's, a, it's a, just another... <laughs> 
you know, you could either look at it as monotonous or perfect. Take your choice. It's another sunny day. <laughs> we're, we're in Salt Lake, so so I'm going to go with perfect out there right now. <laughs> yeah. Although, man, Salt Lake is, uh, I actually didn't know that's where you're calling from. One of my favorite places. I, I love it up there. It's so underrated. I think you guys like keeping it a, a bit of a secret how, how perfect and beautiful it is. Yeah, I mean, lately, too, it's it's been in, like, the mid-50s, so it's just been absolutely perfect, so... We can't we can't complain too much. So and I, I love you, so it's really nice. And I saw from some videos you've you've been spending some time out here. Oh wait, yeah, all the Olympic things. Yeah. You know what's funny, man, is I don't consider that Utah. I consider that a hotel room. We filmed <laughs> so many interviews with those Olympic hopeful people that I was basically in that interview room with the fireplace behind me, like all day, every day. It, it was so fun, but it was so nuts. When I go to Utah, I like to be outside. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's absolutely beautiful out here. And I think the last time I actually saw you out here was uh, Sundance last year. Oh, is that right? Yeah, during the uh, VPN taping. like that, like a cute little city like that, and walk around and, and duck in to see movies. That, that's my idea of a good time. Yeah, it's, it's, th- this is my first like year where I was really involved in Sundance, and so I, I finally got to see it from everybody else's perspective. And yeah, it really is a great time instead of just being a local. <laughs> yeah, 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 I love it. So now, right now, you guys are uh, getting ready to uh, to start episodes back up of the Pete Holmes show. Uh, yeah. Are you are you guys currently taping a bunch of a bunch of the digital shorts and stuff for that? We have filmed, I want to say something like twenty five uh, sketches and stuff, which is uh, a good amount, a good amount, and and a similar number of interviews. Uh, because our show isn't topical, of course, we have the luxury of being able to stockpile things. These are. These are just kind of evergreen conversations with friends and actresses and actors and celebrities or whatever, uh, but we're not necessarily promoting anything, so we can you know stack it up and kind of have a nice little bank going. Tomorrow is the first day uh, where I will be doing monologues for a live audience and showing the videos to a live audience. So tomorrow is the first day where it's really going to feel uh, super official. I, I still haven't had a chance when I've been out in L.A. To, to attend one of them, so I'm looking forward to eventually coming out and seeing them done. No. Oh, I hope you can. Yeah, it's a really fun time. The whole thing, we start by telling the audience, like, this is a fun time. People are often pretty tense at TV tapings, but this is this is like a safe place. I know that's so silly to say, but people feel like a little bit of a fight or flight thing when you're in a TV audience. Ours is just, it's just a really good time. I mean, especially because you guys are on the Warner lot, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, just, just being on the Warner lot is just... It's a surreal experience each time. It's it's honestly as weird as it sounds to say. It's one of my favorite places in the entire world. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I, every time I come on the Warner Law, it's it's just it, it's calming to me, and I don't know why. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, maybe it's the Animaniacs cartoons from your childhood. <laughs> it could just be the idea that so many cool things were made here. I, I get the same feeling. Every time I drive on the lot and they let me on the lot is, is a bit of a thrill. I am not uh, yet accustomed to this. <laughs> I, 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 I kind of understand that feeling to a degree where over the summer I was actually uh, at Warner uh, interviewing for some jobs and the first day that I walked on and I had to walk past Ellen's sound stages and everything was the day they had announced she was going to be hosting the Oscars. And it was just mm-hmm. kind of like, holy shit, like that, that's Ellen. She's, she's all right here. And at the same time they, yeah, were, they were painting Zack Snyder's parking spot up, up by his little bungalow. And I was just like, Oh wow. Like, it, it was very surreal. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I feel that way, too. Knowing, you know, I'm a big fan of Ellen. I think she's great, and she's right across the way, so I think that's super cool. So now, as you guys are prepping for the, for these new, for these upcoming shows, 
Who are some of the upcoming guests? I know I was looking at next week's lineup, and I, I saw Judd Apatow, TJ Miller. Um, who are some of the others that you have coming on? That's a good question. It's been such a blur because uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've picked so many of these guests. I'm so excited that uh, Matt Berninger from The National, uh, he's the lead singer of The National, it's my favorite band, uh, did a really funny piece with us. Um, Paul Shear from The League is on. Uh, I might not be able to rattle these off quickly. <laughs> Uh, Mark's Street Fighter sketch, and that one was absolutely hilarious. So I, oh, I really you, enjoyed that one. I'm so glad there's, there's a bunch more. We did all the original characters. Oh, I, I look forward to seeing the rest of them. Yeah, I hope you like them. So now, now you kind of mentioned, you know, kind of going towards more of, of the podcasting element of, of the interviews. And that was something I did notice right away, especially with like your interviews with Conan as well as with Mark Marin. That, I mean, it, it felt just kind of more of, you know, we're at the dinner table, let's talk. And I, I personally yeah. really enjoyed that. That's kind of what we're going for. We're, I mean, the whole thing, we are, I, I want to, you know, redefine the late night thing, not so much so that we're not uh, recognized as a late night show, but enough that people will be like, oh, that's its own thing. Uh, There's so many people that do the traditional late night show so well, and there are people that are about to be doing the traditional late night show so well. I, I have full faith that Seth Meyers is going to be fantastic. Jimmy just took over the Tonight Show, and that's fantastic. So we just feel like that's covered. So we're trying to do something a little bit unique. We need to stand out. We need to be our own thing. And as somebody who likes to have uh, these really like kind of longer, in-depth conversations that albeit get edited down to about six minutes uh, for our show, we can still try and bring that tone into the program and, and, and have people um, less promotional, less gimmicky, and like I said, a little less burdened with the novel, uh, with the idea of being funny every five seconds. So we can have that podcast phenomenon kind of transfer over to a telev television format. And of course, even though the show is, you know, half an hour, so much of it lives online. So when Paul Shear did the show, for example, we talked for about 45 minutes and we cut that into a bunch of different segments, some that'll be on the show and then some that'll live online so people can find all the, all the little goodnesses hidden around the place. So, and, and, and I've liked that you've had a lot of, a lot of a online presence with it because I've actually gone back and, and watched a lot of stuff through the website as well. In any time, even, yeah. even when I've missed stuff and I love that I know, you know, I can just go right there. There's going to be plenty of videos and a lot of the times, you know, extra content 
that that I wouldn't have seen online, and and it's been something that's great with the site uh, that that I that I've really enjoyed, and I'm sure everybody else has as well. Yeah, I, I kind of you know instead of going against that, I was just reading something this morning about how. You know, back in the day, everyone would watch Carson, obviously, and, and Carson was such a superstar for that reason. Um, but these these days, shows get broken down into uh, little clips that people either share or they don't. You know, uh, a successful late-night show or a successful sketch show or really any type of show is nowadays, I think, should be judged on how much, at least in part, how much it's shared. Is it is it in your feed? Is it on your Facebook? Is it on your Twitter? Are people talking about it in that regard? So instead of kind of fighting against that and resenting the idea that people wouldn't watch it necessarily as a complete piece, we're trying to make each episode a presentation of, you know, three to five things that we would like to see trending, including the monologue, not just because the monologue might be about Miley Cyrus, which it wouldn't be, but because <laughs> it would be about something that you'd want to pass around just because it made you laugh, just in the same way that you would pass around a, a sketch or some other type of viral video. Yeah, and, and and I think you guys have definitely had a great success with making a lot of these videos, viral videos, especially even as you did the uh, the Batman um, for for uh, College Humor series. I mean, yeah. I, I saw that 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 filled my Facebook feed probably for about two weeks. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I have the same thing. Uh, obviously, people were tagging me in it, but it, I was seeing other people sharing it, and it just made me so glad. It's a funny thing, man. I, I think that's. I hope that's one of the reasons uh, why TBS likes us is, is that they, you know, a lot of people say make a viral video and um, we never really set out uh, to make a viral video. We always just want to make the thing that makes us laugh. I'm just very fortunate that my staff and myself share a sensibility that can be consumed kind of in a popular way. Um, so that, that certainly when we're making something like uh, the Street Fighter videos or the Batman videos or we're going to do a Sherlock parody or hopefully we're going to do a True Detective parody. These are the things that we want uh, to like play off the idea that these are in the zeitgeist, this in the collective consciousness and, and play with that, make some good jokes about those things. Now, when you guys started the show, was this an idea that, that you came um, to... Now, it's Conan that produces. Did you go to Conan with this idea or did Conan you know, kind of come to you with everything? confluence of two uh, things in that Conan was looking for someone to be on after him and Jeff Ross is producer and Conan in general and I was uh, obviously looking to make my own show and then I met with Nick Bernstein and Nick Bernstein is my producer and I had been making these videos with Oren Brimmer who's another one of our EPs so it really can keep me up at night when I think about the, um, the fortuitous timing meaning uh, this show you know, a talk show has an interview element, it has a sketch element, it has a stand-up comedy element. And those were the things that when the, the opportunity was there, I had been doing each of those things for about 10 years on average. Uh, not the interview, I had been doing the podcast for about 150 episodes. Uh, but that's, you know, that's quite a bit of talking to people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but the sketch element uh, had been around for about six years, and I had been doing stand-up for about 12 years uh, when the show came around. So when I met with Conan, and then when Conan and I met with TBS, we basically were saying, the show already exists, we just need a, we need a, a home to put all these pieces. And um, Conan got it, and Nick Bernstein got it, and then Michael Wright, and Steve Coonan, and all the great people over at Turner got it, and gave us a shot. And uh, I'm so glad they're continuing to give us a shot, 
because as everyone knows, uh, these things take time to grow and to find their, uh, their truest voice, and uh, they're giving us that opportunity here, I think, with the second order. And I, I'm I'm really glad that they did give you that opportunity. I mean, not 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 to get not to get gushy or fanboy here, but re, re, really one you you know you're one of the few comics that I think I've followed you long enough that as, as it was announced that you know they did give it the green light, it it was like a feeling of just you know complete jubilee that, that this was taking off for you to to the point that I oh, actually remember right. where I was when I read that <laughs> that it was being picked oh, up. Wow. I was actually at at Paramount. I'm just sitting outside of the coffee shop, and and it wow. it popped up on my newsfeed. <laughs> See, I mean, I think first of all, thank you so much for saying that, and and then the reason why I can understand that is is there is a strong bond that can be made when you do something like a podcast, where so much of my uh, personal experience and and my feelings and thoughts are shared so publicly, and then add that with stand up and add that with sketch. Um, I'm so gracious, uh, grateful rather have so many fans that, that of course consume that material and then built that connection so when I got the show that was that was something that was really and is still really moving to hear that people were, they almost feel like we got our show you know what I mean? yeah. <laughs> like this communal sense that it is the Pete Holmes show or whatever but it's this endorsement of, of, of something uh, you know real uh, I know it, it can be one-sided, obviously, other than doing live stand-up shows and, and visiting fans that way, but I, I think when people connect with somebody, uh, even if it is just through entertaining things, uh, that can be a real thing and uh, a real type of relationship, a parasocial one, though it may be. And I, I, think that's, I think that's definitely true. I mean, with, with a lot of different um, comedians and especially podcasters, that's really becoming a strong medium. Yeah. I mean, How I, happy was I when Mark Maron got a show? I, I know yeah. I know Mark, but I know Mark so much better because of the podcast. So I know real Mark and podcast Mark are the same guy, but I mean, like, podcast Mark and I have spent so much more time together. So when his show gets a second season or whatever, it's a, hu- it's a huge deal for all of us. We're, we're like, my friend Mark got a show, even if you don't know him, or my friend podcast Pete got a show. And that's why, you know, when... When I tour uh, and do stand-up, the feeling nowadays in the audience isn't like, let's go watch Pete, I hope he's funny. It's more like, let's go hang out with our friend Pete, whom I've never met, but know more about him than his own mother. And I think that's re- that really is the feeling. I know when, when I actually met Mark for the first time, it, it, was, it, was, it, it wasn't like I was meeting you know, the, this comic that I didn't know anything about that I had just idolized. It was yeah. like, hey, Mark, how, how's it going? Congrats on you know the show, and and it was weird that it, I could go up and talk to him, just like I, I had okay. known him forever. <laughs> well, that, that's what a comedian, uh, I think, a good comedian is going for is that you know a rock star, you're going for like such a huge inflated personality that if you saw them, and I'm quoting Jerry Seinfeld here, if you saw Bono at the supermarket, you would kind of like avoid Bono. I don't know if that's as true as it maybe was in the 80s. Like, I don't mean because of his fame. I mean because people now are much more brash and would go up and take photos and insist on these things. But, you know, you're going for like a big, inaccessible kind of thing. I'm a rock star. But a comedian uh, is, is looking for that connection where you get to the point where it's like, why wouldn't I go up and say hello to Jerry? He's been in my house so much. I know him so well. Um... But that's the type of connection the comedian is going for. 
And, and, and when you were actually on Marin's show, I didn't know you were going to be going to be on that episode. My wife and I are watching the show. And right at, right, right as uh, it goes into that, that scene where you're in the agent's office, my wife and I both yelled yeah. out, Pete! <laughs> so, yeah, we had, uh, we had no I idea that you were going to be on the show. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, it's just like, if somebody asked me uh, last interview I was doing, they were talking about being the boss. And I was saying that a comedian's job is to like make fun of bosses or positions of authority. Similarly, I'm not like some celebrity who, uh, don't worry guys, I got this and I'll run off and slay the dragon while you guys stay in the village. The fans and the comedian are like on the same team. Like a win for the comedian is a win for the team and, and there is that closeness there, I think, if you allow it. So, whereas in the past it would be like, you know, a superstar or celebrity guy and he's popping into a thing, I think now, you're, again, you're, you get hopefully get that feeling of like, oh, our buddy is on the show that I like with my other podcast buddy. And I think that can be a nice feeling, a good communal feeling. It, it, it definitely is. Now with, with, with Conan, with Conan, you know, being, being a producer on this, I, I know, I know you always, you know, idolize Conan as well. What was that like to, to start working with him and, and kind of have him be your boss? Yeah. I mean, it's still very surreal. I, I, I never really get used to hanging out with him or, or being near him. I, I, I him romantic (laughs) i just mean uh i i can pretend pretty well and um i've told him this like i can just act like i'm not freaking out or whatever um as to not freak him out but the truth is 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 it's somebody that i've always measured my own career by and i was like i just want to be on his show and to have him give me my own opportunity here is beyond surreal but then he's not just like he didn't wind the watch and let it go he remains involved he remains available um and it's it's just kind of you know i said this before so forgive me but you know it was a while ago it was like loving cereal and then captain crunch comes to your door and asks you to make your own cereal it's so (laughs) weird to see the real life captain crunch and that's how I think of Conan as a living cartoon. <laughs> I, I, I think that embodies him the best. <laughs> I think I think he would agree with that. So now you you've put out two 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 albums over the last few years, uh, "Impregnated with Wonder" and uh, most recently, "Nice Try: The Devil." Are you going to yeah, be? Thank you for saying that correctly, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> are, are you going to be doing doing much on the road with the show and and working towards a new special? Or are you kind of kind of strained back from some of the road work? You know, it's funny. Stand up uh, is such a it's like a necessary uh, uh, what's the word material that I'm I'm made up of. You know, it's it's like carbon or magnesium or potassium. It's like something I really need. So even though the show, not in a bad way, by the way, it's not like I'm a sad clown that needs people laughing. <laughs> I need to like commune and connect with people and share ideas in that way, which I think anyone can relate to. Um, so even though the show is, is very, very much a fulfilling experience, I still find the need to go out and, and do some jokes that might not be right for our show or, or even do jokes that I've done on the show but do the longer version of them or explore them a little bit differently. So inevitably, I think that will lead to um, a tour or a new hour at some point because uh, there's just no substitute for that. When you're going around and you have new jokes to share with people, and you get to go to these great cities, you know, Portland and Austin and Seattle and Chicago and Boston and New York, and just kind of, like I said, visit those fans and spend time with them. Uh, that can be wonderful. Not to leave out other 
<laughs> Before we let you go here, Pete, uh, just just kind of uh, what what advice do you have for people for for younger comics, young writers that that want to find a career? You know, do, doing doing whether whether it's comedy or writing on a show. What advice do you have yeah. for them to really you know go forward with it? I think it, this might be a strange place to start, but it's like you can't compare yourself to other people uh, because that will slow you down and it'll eventually, I think, um, calcify you and, and stop you from doing what you want to do. Like that sort, of, that sort of bitterness or jealousy or comparison can really steal somebody's growth. Um, I always like looking at people like Mark Ruffalo, who I think went on 6,000 auditions or something before he really broke. It might have been 600. I'm not sure. Uh <laughs> But it was years and years of work. Um, so don't compare yourself. Don't get bitter. Keep, this is something Bill Burr told me, which is keep your head down and don't be a dick, which means just do the work and, and you know, don't be a dick. It, you know, self-explanatory. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, you got to do things. I feel like people, especially these days with in the age of Final Cut and YouTube and uh, all this stuff that you can put stuff out there, when you're ready, start doing things, you know, on a smaller scale and then build a body of work because, like I said, in my experience with this show, when we pitched it, we had to say, don't you think, it wasn't, don't you think people would be good at interviewing people? It's, here's 500 hours of people, of Pete interviewing people. People these days want to see that you can do things. People know that driven, creative people will find ways to do things. So as silly as it sounds, if you want to do things, do things. Then you keep your head down. Then you're not a dick. Then you don't compare yourself to other people and just do your work. Uh, I think I think people can find uh, a nice way in here. Perfect. Well, I think that's I think that's definitely great advice. And I mean, I I I had heard you say something similar about that before. And I mean, I've definitely taken that to heart. As I'm actually getting ready to, to release a a web series in the next few months here, and we, I mean, we all had to kind of take that to heart of just hunker down, don't be a dick, and right. let's have fun. <laughs> have fun and honestly i'm so glad you said that and i'm happy to hear that it's like make the art that you wish was there that you want to see make the show you want to see make the web series you want to see don't make the things that you think people might want to see at a certain point that might become a consideration but for now just like make the things that make you laugh right that when people write stand-up it's like put yourself in the audience when would you laugh and if the answer is you wouldn't keep working or if the show isn't interesting or if the idea isn't interesting to you don't assume it'll be interesting to other people so just keep making it for the art's sake not to be famous not to be rich not to meet girls but to make the work for its own sake for fulfillment for the purpose of life <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much Typical for taking interview. Yeah. <laughs> talk about late night get to the meaning of life <laughs> Well, thank you so much for taking the time today, Pete. I know you guys are busy getting oh, ready. Oh, thank you. Getting ready to uh, to get the new show or the new uh, set of shows going here. So, and, and you guys are on uh, weeknights uh, at midnight, eleven central on TBS, right after Conan. Yes, we are on at midnight, uh, four nights a week after Conan, starting February twenty fourth. Perfect. Well, thank you again, Pete, and we'll uh, we'll get this sent out to you just as soon as we uh, have it posted later this week. That's great. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Yeah, you as well. We'll see you, Pete. Thanks.